0: Well, I hope this morning what you can see is what God is doing through our church with our ministry or mission partnerships. It's important that we have an awareness. And that's one of my hopes here as missions pastor, mission and music pastor, is to create a missional awareness so that you can see what God is doing around the world and then perhaps by God's will, participate in that, whether it's giving financially or going on a trip. We have a trip coming up to Israel, our first in-house, if you will, MMBC mission trip to work with one of our ministry partnerships, our mission partnership, uh, Pastor Kenny Spain, who wasn't able to give us a video this time. But God is a God on mission. The Missio Dei is the mission of God. And as a church, we are called to be a part of his mission doesn't mean you have to go. Some of us are not, many of us are not called to necessarily go. Some are, but we are all to be involved with missions. We are to be missionally minded and aware. And that's what I hope to bring to you this morning out of God's word. We're going to look at the importance of why missions matters. My sermon is entitled this, Be Refreshed, Why Mission Matters. Missions matter. Let me give you the the main idea, the big idea, or the thesis for my sermon this morning. Missions matters because it helps us realize the kingdom of God is bigger than us. And in its bigness, missions ultimately brings the church refreshment one of the hopes that we that i hope that we can see today with our missionary partnerships is that this is encouraging to us that god has called us here in this time in this time in in our history to be involved with missions to be a church on mission let me say it this way missions matters because it gets us out of ourselves it pops the bubble of self because we tend to think that our lives and our context and our culture and our ethnicity and our experience is what's most important. What missions does is it pops that bubble. And folks, by the way, we need a lot of popping (laughs) of the bubble of self because we get stuck in ourselves. And every time I've been involved with missions or I've been involved with churches that are on mission, it really is encouraging because we realize, oh, yeah, it's not about me. It's about Jesus, and it's about the kingdom of God. Mission mission is big. It's huge, just like Pastor Scott prayed. It's bigger than our local context. It's bigger than our local church. It's all around. God is the God of all. And how exciting it is for us to be a part of that, to be On mission with him. So let me share with you a story. One of the reasons I'm here that God brought me here by his grace and my family is because of my heart for missions and my experience with missions. So early on after seminary, my wife and I felt called to missionary work in the inner city in Chicago. And just so so you know, just like you heard the, the message from Gaetano, inner city missions or local missions is in fact missionary work. And we went through the North American Mission Board, which is the national arm of the Southern Baptist Convention. We had a raise support. We worked with a church who then sent us off as a church plant. And we were in a, a, a community in a neighborhood called Albany Park, northwest side of Chicago, that had 60 different languages spoken in the public school. Roosevelt High School, 60 different languages. Okay, similar to that would be going to Hamtramck, not too far from here. Hamtramck has about 30 to 40 languages spoken in the high school. Okay, so a melting pot. And so early on we were there and you know, I just graduated from seminary, you know, had Bible classes and theology classes, you know, guns a-blazing, ready to go, but I wasn't anticipating what would come next. We started a Bible study with a family in our local neighborhood. It was a multicultural, multi-generational family very poor, and we met every Wednesday night. I would bring my guitar, we would do singing, I would give a message, and we had, a, we had coffee together and, and ate together, and one of the girls from the neighborhood started coming to the Bible study. Her name is Jasmine, and I learned that Jasmine was involved and had been involved in gangs. The Latin Kings gang, which is a legit gang, was very active in our neighborhood, Hispanic gangs, and she was involved with that, but the Lord started to work in her life, and she made a profession of faith for Christ, and she was hungry for the gospel. I mean, she was growing. She brought, we, we gave her a Bible. She's singing, and she is just falling in love with Jesus. It was amazing. And so she said to me, she said, Pastor Dave, I want you to meet my boyfriend. He's actually on parole from prison, and he's staying at this particular house. He has an ankle monitor on, so they're watching him. But would you come and meet him? And by the way, he's a Latin Kings gang leader. <laughs> Gulp. <laughs> I'm like, and you, you, don't, you don't like get experience, you don't get training for this in seminary, right? You're like, uh, where do I go in the Bible to help me deal with the Latin Kings, right? It's, you don't get that kind of training, but I, I prayed and I asked the Lord, I said, you know, God, okay, this is why we're here. This is why we left suburban America to come to move to the inner city. This is why we're here. And so I told her, I said, "Yes, I'll come with you." I was so nervous. I remember walking further west into the neighborhood and going to this house. It was a pretty rough area, and walked into the house, and there was this guy who looked the part, just like you see in the movies. I mean, he looked it like the gang leader that you would see, like in movies. And he just was looking me up and down. Who is this skinny white kid with red hair coming up in my hood, you know? (laughs) He's just looking me up and down, you know? And Jasmine's like, this is Pastor Dave. You know, he's coming. He's here in in the neighborhood. He's doing a Bible study. And you could tell this guy was like, "You're." he said to me, he said, you're a pastor? (laughs) I said, yes. He's like, really? He's like, you you look so young. I'm like, I am young. (laughs) I was younger back then. (laughs) I am young. He's like, wow. And so it was kind of, tense that's right that's probably the word to use and i didn't really know what to say but god has given me maybe my wife would say the gift of gab (laughs) you know to talk i can talk to anybody you know i can talk to little grandma and i can talk to this person over here god has just given me that gift to talk to anybody no matter what background they are what ethnicity what cultural group and so i just began to talk to him i said well you know tell me about growing up here in the neighborhood he's like he's like this neighborhood is brutal he's like my dad left when i was you know six years old and i was i had to take care of my kid my, my siblings you know and then i started hitting the street streets and then, then i got into the gang and the gang became my family and he's talking about how the gang brought him in the initiation of the gang and all of that kind of stuff i didn't even want to ask him what what was he in for right what did he do i didn't want to even go there and so I'm thinking, and I'm, I shot up a Nehemiah prayer. Remember Nehemiah before he goes to King Artaxerxes who, in Persia and to ask him to go back to Jerusalem to rebuild the wall? He shot up a prayer. It's a really quick prayer. I said, Lord, please help me to make a bridge with this guy, to connect with him. And so I, I said, well, well, tell me about, you know, tell me about your, your, your upbringing. Tell me about your dad. So he started talking about his dad and you know alcoholism and drug abuse and all that stuff. And, and I said, well, let me tell you, I, I can't relate to that, but I can relate to my dad being absent. My parents divorced when I was 10. My dad stayed in the area, but he left, left our home and I was raised by a single mom. And I said, I know how hard that is. And I know how angry I felt and how betrayed that, that I felt when that happened. And I, I was angry for so long. And all of a sudden, I'm looking at this guy, this gang leader, and I could see a softness on his face. The Holy Spirit was working and I could watch his stone wall come down, and he kind of leaned forward, and I said, I understand what it's like to feel anger. I said, I didn't grow up in the the inner city. I grew up in the suburbs, but I understand. But I said, you know what? Christ came into my life at age 17 with all my anger and all my hostility and all my hatred. I turned my life over to Jesus, and he saved my life. And I said, I didn't grow up in the church. I didn't grow up in, but I, I, I heard the gospel, and it made all the difference. And I said, I don't know where you're at, but Jesus can touch your life. And he can take away that anger because he had a lot of anger, a lot. And he can touch your life. And it was like a little bit of more conversation and afterward, he's like, well, you know, thanks for coming by and thanks for stopping over. And he had this sense of receptivity and openness. And I walked away from that experience, praising God and saying, Lord, thank you because he, the spirit of God made a bridge between myself and my context, which is very different than a Latin Kings gang leader context. And was able to connect with him, and that I walked away feeling refreshed because that's what missions does. Missions gets us out of our skin and helps us get into the kingdom of God, missional work. It helps us, it breaks down our stereotypes, it breaks down our, our, our self-centeredness, and it helps us to love people like Jesus calls us to love. And that's why, We do missions. And that's what I hope to encourage you this morning, that missions is something to be excited about. It refreshes the church. It is the way for the church to move forward and enter into the territory of God's kingdom, if you will, and to be his hands and feet. So if you will turn with me to the book of Romans, we're going to look at Paul's heart for missions, specifically how he encouraged the church to be involved in missions so as an application that we can be also involved in missions as a church. Romans chapter 15. Let me give you my three points for this sermon. We're going to look at Romans 15, verses 20 through 33. I've got three main ideas. Number one is the context, the backdrop of Paul's mission endeavor and his encouragement to the church to be involved with missions. Number two, contribution, what he called the church to be be involved with, how to contribute to missions. And number three, connection how the church can be connected to mission. So number one, context. Number two, contribution. And number three, connection. The first is context. Let's look at the text, Romans chapter 15, starting with verse 18. For I, Paul writes, will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by the word of God sorry, by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and all the way around to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. Paul starts off this section, and he says, this is my calling to the Gentiles. What are Gentiles? Non-Jewish people. That was Paul's calling, and Paul was, as Jewish as you can get, <laughs> grew up in a Jewish family, was then sent over to Jerusalem, most likely when he was a teenager, studied at the leading rabbi of the day, became a Pharisee, became an expert in the law, and then began to persecute this new movement called the Way, the Christian church. And then the Lord literally knocked him off his high horse, literally, on his way to Damascus. Paul came to Christ, and God The Lord Jesus said to him, Paul, I am calling you to the Gentiles and I will show you how to suffer for my name's sake. That was Paul's calling. He never forgot it. And Paul is saying now, I will will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed, by the power and signs of wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem, which is where the movement began, all the way around to Illyrium. Illyrium is modern day Albania. In fact, I have a friend, two friends that are, um, are from college, husband and wife, who I went to school with, who are in, in Albania and serving there as missionaries. Do you know that Monroe County and Wayne County has many Albanian immigrants? In fact, a lot of the local diners here are owned by Albanian families. And so this is where Paul would have been. Paul would have been in that area. It was a Roman outpost at that time. And so Paul is making clear what he's accomplished. And then he goes on to say in verse 20, and thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see and those who have never heard will understand. Paul was a missionary through and through. He wanted to go to uncharted territories to begin churches with the Gentiles non-Jewish people, and that's what he did. Now, this is interesting. As we look from verse 23 all the way down to verse 33, Paul uses the personal pronoun I nine times. This is a very personal section. He is sharing his heart for the church, specifically for missions. Again, this whole idea is that Paul is saying the church is to be involved in missions. It's not an option. It's not something that we should consider possibly as a subjective thing. No, it is a calling of the church. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus said to his disciples, you will be my witness. You know what a witness is? A representation. You will be my witness in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Paul was called to the ends of the earth. He makes this very personal. Let's keep going. Verse 22, this is the reason why I have so often been hindered from coming to you Evidently, Paul wanted to come to Rome many times, but he was hindered. The, way, the word literally means his way was obstructed. He wasn't permitted to go to Rome. He said, I've often been hindered from coming to you, but now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, these regions refers to Greece. This is where Paul was writing from. He was in Greece at the time of writing this epistle, this letter to the Romans. Because I have no room for work in these regions, and since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain and be helped on my journey there by you, once I've enjoyed your company for a while. So Paul has a longing to go to Rome. Have you ever had a longing to go somewhere, to do something for the Lord? This is Paul's heart. He wants to go to Rome. He had wanted to go before, but he was hindered. And now the opportunity is available. He is getting ready to go, but he's got some work. He's got some business to do first, which we'll look at here in a minute. But here's the application for this particular point The application is that in life, there are many hindrances when it comes to the gospel. Sometimes the hindrances, hindrances, the hindrances are our own selves, right? Our fear. We're afraid. What if? I say the wrong thing? What if I go on a mission trip and I don't get it right? I don't have enough Bible, in, Bible knowledge. I don't have enough experience. And we allow fear to hinder us. That wasn't Paul's situation. Paul was fearless. Not that he never struggled with fear. He most certainly did. But he's not hindered because of that. But oftentimes we... Folks, as Christians, are hindered, and we're like, I can never do that. I can never go on a mission trip, or I, could never serve, I can never serve the Lord in that way. I can't be bold for, for the gospel. What if I say the wrong thing? I can't say anything about Jesus at my work, because what if I get fired? And so fear holds us back. Sometimes the devil and the, the dominion of darkness holds us back. Paul talks about that as the spiritual warfare. And we have to be people of prayer. We're gonna look at how Paul pleads for prayer later on when it comes to missions and how important prayer is. Sometimes the enemy is holding us back in the sense of putting obstacles in our way, sickness, trials, complications, etc. And then there's times where the spirit of God is hindering us. Paul wanted to go to, uh, to the east early in his, miss- in his missionary endeavors. He wanted to go over to the east and it says in Acts that, I believe it's Acts chapter 12, or maybe 14, 13, Acts chapter 13 or so, it says that he was hindered by the Spirit of God, and then he had a vision of a man from Macedonia, which is northern Greece, saying, come to us. And so the Spirit of God hindered him. But here's the thing, when hindrances come, it's an opportunity for you and I to trust the Lord. You see, we have a way we think life should work out, right? We have a plan, and that's not a bad thing. It's good to have a plan. Paul had a plan, and we'll see Paul's plan in a minute. It's good to have a plan, but here's the thing. Oftentimes, life doesn't work out the way you think. Some of you are sitting here right now thinking, wow, I never would have dreamed that I would be here at this church, or I would be with this this person, or have this family, or have this job, or whatever it may be, or live in Monroe, god has a way of working out the way he wants it to work out because newsflash he's in control right he's in control proverbs chapter 19 verse 21 many are the plans of a man's heart but it's the lord's purposes that prevail and so that's a principle that we need to learn we need to be flexible when i've led mission trips before when i've been involved with missions before One of the key words that we say on our mission teams is flexibility. Have a plan, but know that that plan's probably going to change because you're going to a culture that doesn't follow the certain, you know, guidelines, if you will, of like time. I remember going to Mexico for the first time in college, and the Mexican time is very different than American time. They say, we're going to start at 11 o'clock. It may be 1230 (laughs) before they start. And so what do you have to do? Be flexible. But that's also a principle for life. When things don't work out the way they should, folks, what do we do? Freak out? Have a meltdown? Or do we say, okay, God, obviously you're doing something here. Help me to trust that you are sovereign, that you are in control. That's the first principle. Number one is context. Number two is contribution. Now we'll see Paul's heart for what he wants the church to do when it comes to missions. Verse 26, at present, literally at the moment right now that I'm in, Paul says, however, I'm going to Jerusalem bringing aid to the saints for... Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. What is Paul saying here? Paul saying, I'm going to come to you. I have a longing to see you. He evidently had a longing for a, quite some time to be in Rome. The church in Rome was strong. It was multicultural, multi-generational, Jewish and gentile alike. And Paul wanted to see that church and be there. He had many friends. Look at Romans chapter 16. It's his longest, most personal greetings out of all of his letters. He's longing to see them, but he says, But before I do that, we've got some business to attend to. I'm going to Jerusalem, so he's gonna leave from Greece. And he's going to sail to Jerusalem, bringing aid to the saints. The word saint, interesting enough, hagias in Greek, means to be set apart. Literally set apart ones. And I grew up in a Catholic church, Catholic background. And so when I heard the word saint, I thought of, I was taught from the Catholic church, a venerated person from history that had reached this saint status. Uh-uh. The New Testament says we, as followers of Jesus, are Hagios, we are set apart, we are saints. That is our identity in Christ. Do you know how important it is to know who you are in Christ? Do you know how important it is to know that you are a saint? You are set apart. If you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, you are set apart. Jesus says, in this world, you'll have much trouble, right? We know that, hello, we know that. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Why? Because we're not of this world. We're in it, but we're not of it. We're set apart. So Paul is saying I'm going to bring aid, relief, to the set-apart ones, to the saints. Verse 26, for Macedonia and Achaia. Macedonia was northern Greece. The capital city of Macedonia is Thessaloniki, the first and second uh, books of Thessalonians. Paul wrote to the church in Thessaloniki. My wife and I got to go there on a trip to Greece uh, years now back, and beautiful city. And then Achaia is western Greece. They have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. For they were pleased, he uses that word twice, they were pleased to do it and intend, and indeed, they owe it to them. Let me stop right there. Paul was a master diplomat in the sense of looking for ways to build bridges. Why? Because in the first century context, Jewish people and Gentile people's relations were very tense. Talk about racial tension. Talk about ethnic challenges. The Jews were taught that Gentiles were heathen barbarians, have no association with them, right? They're uncircumcised, they're heathens. So here's what happened. The Lord started to work. You see that early on in Acts? god began to pour out his spirit and gentile people are coming into the ecclesia the church they're coming into the church they're getting saved and baptized and the jewish christian leadership was like uh what do we do with this this is not on our radar but it's what god always said to abraham i will bless through you i will bless look at the stars in heaven that's going to be that's going to be the generations to come of those who follow you from every tribe and tongue we see that in revelation And so God began to do that. And so Paul, as a Jewish person, was looking for ways to build bridges, just like I prayed, Lord, help me to build a bridge to this Latin King gang leader, because I have no idea how to to connect to his world. But you do. And so Paul said, here's what we're going to do. He encouraged these Gentile churches in Greece to go around and take up a collection he, I don't know how it went down, but probably said, guys, listen, our brothers and sisters in Jerusalem are suffering because there's persecution going on right now. They were in the hub of it all, the epicenter of Jewishness. And the Jewish authorities were not happy about Jewish people turning to Yeshua, Jesus. And they were not happy about it because why? They were losing control. That's what it always is about, right? Right when Satan has control through religion and control through money and greed and all that, and that control is starting to be uh, taken away, he gets angry. He begins to breathe his fire and cause persecution and difficulties. And so the church in Jerusalem was suffering and there was many people that were poor. Their, Their livelihood was suffering. Do you know right now, and I have friends from the Middle East, who have come to Christ. I remember talking to a guy from Saudi Arabia who was having dreams and visions in his country about Jesus. Jesus would come to him in dreams and say, follow me. Muslim guy from Saudi Arabia. You, Saudi Arabia, you cannot have a Bible in Saudi Arabia. Arabia it's illegal. And he, Jesus was, was coming to him in dreams and visions. He told me this personal story. I talked to him in Warrendale neighborhood of Detroit And he said, finally, when I came to America to study at the university, I went to church and I talked to the pastor and I said, what do I do with this? I'm having dreams. And the pastor led him to Christ. And he began to grow. He said, but I can't tell my family because they wouldn't do anything to me. My family is very loving and kind. But if word got out that their son was a follower of Jesus, they would be killed. And so their lives were in jeopardy. I've talked to other people who have lost their businesses and lost basic necessities because of following Jesus. There was a person in Dearborn that came out of a Muslim background that came to know Christ that was baptized. His family disowned him to the point they were going to kill him in Dearborn. And he had to flee into Canada, leave his family and everything behind. And so Paul is saying, these saints, these set apart ones are suffering and they need us. So Paul, trying to make bridges, was saying, listen, you owe it to them. He uses the word owe, and the actual word means debt. You have a debt to them. Why? For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, he's talking to them, the Gentiles, they ought to also be of service to them in material blessings. In other words, what Paul's saying is you were grafted into the vine. Jesus came. He came to fulfill the law. He was Jewish. God set apart the nation of Israel. And now Gentiles have come into that. And Paul saying, you therefore are indebted to them. It's like Romans chapter 13, verse 8, where Paul says, owe no man anything except the debt of love, which fulfills the law. You owe this to them because you're brothers and sisters in Christ with them. You're not Jewish. They're the ones that were first selected, if you will, called out, the nation of Israel. You owe it to them, a debt of love. And so Paul says, therefore, you can share in your material blessings. When When therefore I have completed, verse 28, this, and have delivered to them what has been collected, I will leave for Spain by the way of you. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. So here's Paul's plan. He's writing this letter from Greece to the Roman Christian church. He's then, after he says his final greetings in chapter 16, and he says his farewell, he's going to these churches in Greece, in northern Greece and western Greece, and he's collecting funds. He's collecting monies for this collection to bring to Jerusalem. Then he's going to take a ship and set sail for Jerusalem to deliver this Fund with hopes that they will receive it. This is from your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ who are from Greece, who are Gentile. They are our brothers and sisters in Christ. Even though they speak differently, they look differently than you, they are of us. We are one body, as Paul said throughout his letters. And then, after spending some time in Jerusalem, he would then take a ship and set sail for Rome. That's his longing, that's where he wanted to be, in Rome. And he was hoping to go there and be refreshed, just like a missionary comes back for a sabbatical and comes back like Brother, br- brother Kenny Spain came back this summer and he was with us for a little while and he was able to see friends and be refreshed. So, pain, so Paul was going to Rome the hopes of being refreshed to have some respite, some R&R. And then after some time, Paul then was going to be sent off from Rome to go to Spain, the furthest south post that the Roman Empire reached. Paul never made it to Spain. He got to Rome, but in chains. You see, God had a different plan. Like I said, life doesn't work out the way we think, right? We have plans, we have goals, and that's good. But ultimately, it's the Lord's purposes that prevail. Some of you are sitting here right now because life hasn't worked out. And you're like, why? And you can either get, as you've heard this before, you can either get bitter or you can get better, right? Bitter in like, why didn't things work out? Why did this have to happen to me? That's bitterness. Better means, okay, Lord, you obviously have a different plan. You obviously are up to something. Help me to trust in you. Paul had to learn to trust in Jesus in this moment because you know why? He was arrested and he was sent to Rome in chains. He was on house arrest. God blessed him with the freedom to be able to write letters. He wrote his prison letters like Philippians from house arrest, but he never made it to Spain. And he would ultimately be killed there in Rome for his faith. And so Paul had a goal, had an objection. But like I said, it was different in how it turned out. Let's go to the final point. Number three is connection. Here's now Paul's encouragement to the churches, how we can be involved in missions. Verse 30, I appeal to you, brothers. This word in Greek is called parakaleo, the Greek word, and it simply means I call out to you. I call you to arms, Paul says. I am summoning you. I'm asking you to be ready and prepared. It's the same word he used in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I appeal to you, brothers, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. I appeal to you. He's getting them ready for warfare. He's getting them ready for battle. I appeal to you brothers to watch I'm sorry, I appeal to you brothers by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the spirit to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf. Why? It tells you verse 31 that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea. Paul knows he's going into the lion's den. He grew up partially grew up in Jerusalem, most likely as a teenager, and then up into his early 20s and so forth. He knew that culture, and it was a hot mess, that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea, and that my service for Jerusalem, that is the contribution, the money that we have raised from these churches, my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints, the called out ones the set-apart ones. So there's two obstacles he's asking for prayer. Number one is there's a lot of enemies in Jerusalem. That is the epicenter of Judaism. There are people that are zealot there for the law, and they do not want the gospel. And they know this brother Saul, who is now Paul of Tarsus, they know he was once one of them and no longer, right? And so Paul is asking for prayers to be delivered. Secondly, he's asking for prayers for the church, for the Christians to receive this and not to be skeptical because the natural bent or instinct in this time was Jewish Christians to be, to be, susceptible, to be uh, nervous or to be fearful and uncertain about Gentile converts. And Paul's saying, pray for them that they would receive this, that this would build a bridge. Now, interesting, Paul says Brothers, I appeal to you by the Lord Jesus Christ that you strive together with me. That's one word in Greek. The word is agonizomai, and it means literally we get our word agonized or to be in agony over. And the word comes out of the sports world, in fact, gymnastics specifically. This is Greece, where he wrote this from, which is the birthplace of the Olympics. And so an athlete training for gymnastics, say, is going to have agonizomai. They're going to strive to get their muscles strong to work on their craft. They're going to work hard together to be the best athlete they can be for their competition. And Paul uses that word picture and says, in a language of prayer, he says, would you strive together for me, with me in prayer? Do you realize that prayer is a spiritual thing? When we come before the throne of God, it's a spiritual thing because prayer, prayer is a, is a weapon. We are called to be prayed up. We are called to have the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. We are called to be people of prayer, to intercede on behalf of our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ all throughout the world. And so prayer. Prayer is a spiritual thing, and Paul understands that it's a spiritually challenging thing, that there are forces at work that are behind the scenes that we are, to be unaw- to, we are to be aware. Paul says in 2 Corinthians, we are not to be unaware of the devil's schemes. Do you know that Satan is a schemer, a deceiver? He's going to do everything he can to deceive you, to scheme and to plot. That's why we're called to take up arms. This is battle, folks. We cannot hang up our sword, not yet. One day we can when we're with Christ and when Christ comes back. But now we are on, we are in the battle. Nehemiah called his men to work with one hand uh, for the wall, to build the wall, and with with the other hand to hold a sword so they would be ready for the enemy. We need to work for the Lord. We need to be faithful to what God has placed us in and where he's placed us in. And we need to have our sword always ready. We need to be prayed up So Paul is asking that they would agonize, strive together in prayer. And then finally, it says that my service would be acceptable in verse 32, so that by God's will I may come to you with joy. And there's the word, and be refreshed. That word refreshed means to enjoy your company. It was used for husbands and wives to enjoy one another's company. In fact, it's the idea of refreshment, to be satisfied, to be refreshed in your company. May the God of peace be with you all. The church is called to be involved in missions because it brings refreshment to the church and to those who are involved with missions like Paul was, going out, living a life that is where you have to raise support and you have to depend solely and 100% on the the Lord's work, on the gospel. And so let me conclude with a final application. One of the hopes that I have here for our church with our mission partners is that we can be a refreshment to them. So as we look forward to April, we have 22 people from our church folks going, 22 people, young from 12 years old up to mid-70s, That's a great, amazing group that God has put together. We're doing training. And my main hope is, yes, it's going to be an amazing opportunity to see what God is doing in Israel, to work with ministry partners there, to work with doing evangelism, to help work with the Baptist village and building and so forth. But you know what? The main reason we're going is to be an encouragement to our brother and fellow laborer, Kenny Spain. Because guess what? What? It gets lonely. It gets hard. My wife and I know we were missionaries raising support for many, many years, working and striving and laboring for the gospel. And one of the best things that we experience is when groups would come and say, how can we pray and love on you? How can we bless you? And just people seeing you, people being in your world and learning about your context meant the world to us. So we hope to do that for our brother. And we hope that we can do that in India, in the Philippines, in Papua New Guinea, in here right here in Monroe. That's why we did a prayer walk last fall so that our eyes can be open to what Jesus is doing right here in Monroe and that it can refresh us. So let me encourage you. Let me encourage you to be involved in what God is doing here. Maybe some of you are called to go on a trip. You'll have opportunities to do that. You may say, well, how is is that possible? I I don't know how to do that. The Lord will help you. We'll encourage you. Or pray for our trips. Pray for our partnerships. Do local stuff. We're going to have opportunities to be locally involved in missional activities. Be involved with that. Let the Lord work in you and refresh you through your mission endeavors and calling. I hope our church can continue to be on mission, folks and be an encouragement to those around the world and right here in our own city. I hope this message encouraged you as well. Don't give up, keep going. Trust in Jesus with everything you've got. Seek him with all your heart, for he will never disappoint. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Let's pray together, and then we're going to have another video and end with our choir singing. Lord, thank you for this day, for Mission Sunday. Lord, we as a church wanna be refreshed by being involved in missions, whether that's going on a trip or doing something locally or sending support or blessing those who are involved with missions, sending a letter, sending a note of encouragement or prayer. Help us to be striving together as Paul pleaded for those who are on the front lines. I thank you, Lord, for this day. I thank you that it can, it can be before our eyes that we can see people doing missions all over the world and here right in our local community. Lord, thank you for what you've called us to. And Lord, ultimately help us to trust in you, Jesus, with everything we've got, with our finances, with our lives, as we remember what Paul said in Romans chapter 12, when he says, I appeal to you, my brethren, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy holy. And pleasing, for this is your acceptable service unto the Lord. Help us to be your living, holy, pleasing sacrifices, we pray. In Jesus' name.